when it comes to biohacking, major in the majors, minor in the minors. Biohacking, where art and science unite to change your life. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I'll stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Two heads are better than one. You get a coffee enema. You get a coffee enema. Everybody gets a coffee enema. Joy rising. Welcome to the Epic Podcast, your weekly dose of mental foreplay. My name is Matt. I'm Jen. I'm Austin. I'm Christina. And I'm David. And this week we are talking about biohacking. And just from the little bit of uh, you know before recording time talk that we had, looks like we've got a lot of different directions that we're going. So just you know, a little context on my hook. I was talking about majoring in the majors, minoring in the minors. You know, really focusing on the big things that are going to make the biggest amount of difference, and then. There's, there's uh, so many different ways you can go, but uh, it's easy to get caught in spending all your time focusing on the little things that are going to yield not too much benefit. Not that they're not, not, not that they're benefitless, but they uh, might not be as, as worth as much as maybe getting better sleep, getting more sleep, or eating properly. So um, I know, Austin, you talked about finding the five categories of biohackers. Yes. Yeah, so defining biohacking, um, I googled it, of course, and like the definition, the dictionary definition came up with. I got to read this; it's hilarious. Biohacking is the activity expo- of exploiting genetic material experimentally, without regard to accepted ethical standards or for criminal purposes. Wow, <laughs> I was that's like, harsh. that's not what we're doing a podcast about. Slanted yeah. much? No, like, yeah. Oh. So that's Google's top result in the dictionary result. You know how it lays those out. They really focus uh, on the hacking part in a negative way there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hackers. Um, so no, according to Wikipedia, and I do like this, you know, from what I know of the biohacking community and just kind of the subject itself, there's kind of do-it-yourself biology where it's a biotechnical social movement in which individuals and small organizations study biology using the same methods as traditional research institutions. So you can get kind of, that kind of throws in like I know uh, Tom Billy you has a company, you know that that does these this research on the bars that they do. Um, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, Quest. Quest. Thank you. Quest Nutrition. <laughs> so kind of that do it yourself. Not that I mean he's a larger company, but when they started, it was a small group of dudes doing this testing on different nutrition. Then you get the grinder biohacking, which is people who alter their own bodies by implanting do it yourself cybernetic devices or kind of that uh, cyborg um, implantation. They have a generic category for self-experimentation in medicine, and that's essentially all other forms of self-experimentation that don't fit into these other four. <laughs> the third one, or the fourth one is nutrigenomics. Yeah, nutrigenomics. Using nutrition to hack the and take control of the human biology, which I think I know, Matt, is a lot of what uh, you've kind of, and that's, Becoming more and more kind of what I believe to be the generally accepted definition of biohacking is kind of using nutrition. Um, and then the last one, the fifth one they would say is quantified self measure, measuring verify, various biomarkers and behaviors to try to optimize health, hmm. which then where you would get into sleep 
and other things again that you mentioned. And I would personally, and I'm not going to go there, but I would personally add a sixth category uh, and I would call it energy work, uh, dealing with beliefs and emotions and stuff. That is also to me a very, very real way to hack your biology. Hence Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief. You know, it's, it's energy work and stuff like that. So I would say there's six categories. Wikipedia says there's five, but in general, the overall idea seems to be what can you do in life to enhance your physical or your biology, uh, your experience of being and uh, improve different elements of whatever is or is not important to you. It's pretty generic, but it seems to be a term that is still finding its definition in our world. Certainly. And I think some of those categories are definitely like far more hardcore than I would um, definitely think about the things that I've, I've dove into. If I could speak today, um, <laughs> I, I can break it down into two words, just human optimization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it doesn't, I mean, yes, there are definitely categories where it gets uh, far more intense, where people are doing some things that should maybe be only done in, you know, under, you know, supervision in, in hospitals and such, but uh, not necessarily. I mean, people are, are really fighting for their rights out there. I'm going to zing one in here. Sure. <laughs> Because that's one of the things that I was very uh, curious about, uh, especially in regards to um, the experimentation part. I know you said it was optimization, but I feel like from what I saw, it wasn't just that. I mean, like there were there are people that are trying to do like open source cancer treatments or open source AIDS treats, treatments and stuff like that. So, it, I mean, I guess you could go and say, you know, it's a little bit further than optimization but the whole open source part is they're doing all this testing on their own like the one i i watched this uh, very short documentary about um this dude and and you know <laughs> it was kind of funny because it was a company that was trying a uh, small company and and this one dude he looked like a total sleazeball but he was he he owned most of the company and he was working with with a lab tech guy from the university of washington but you know they were in this small building, and then they ended up fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. And so the poor guy that was like the test subject that had AIDS and that had stopped taking his treatment kind of was like SOL, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the quote unquote moral quandary is there, you know. If somebody is willing to subject themselves mm-hmm. to test out this drug, to test out this treatment, or to biohack where does this land in as far as like the government, the FDA, the whatever, you know, we, we've heard, I mean, the, the topic du jour here has been vaccines, vaccinations. Isn't it basically very similarly around the same vein of things? I mean, I think it depends because there's a difference between, you know, a contagious disease and something that's not contagious. And I think that's where the public will, you'll find the biggest outline. So if I'm walking around with measles and I cough on you, you're going to get sick. But if I'm walking around with cancer, I'm not going to pass my cancer to you. So how I affect those, how I treat those things are look different, I think, in society. I think for me personally, at the end of the day, it's, it's a choice thing. Like you have the choice to go to the hospital and seek medical treatment or you have the choice to go to a shaman in the woods and 
drink something. Well, even worse, um, I actually ran across a guy who was, I don't know if, I forget exactly, I, I wasn't putting this in my notes, but it's bringing to memory that, um, I don't know if he was just fined or if he was arrested, I forget exactly, but he was, he was having to go to court and uh, there was a $10,000 amount there for something. And he was, they were charging him with practicing medicine without a license, but all he did was experiment on himself. Mm. Well, we'll see. So, see, this and all, and, yeah, Sorry, it, was, it wasn't even like a huge deal, whatever he was that he did, I don't think. But I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So, but, but the thing that happens here is when you mess with medicine, when you mess with the human body or whatever, if, if they don't really understand what they're doing, who's to say that they wouldn't be able to make a super bug or accidentally mm. you know modify some sort of gene or whatever that would become contagious but i mean how without... did we get all the medicine we have now like it was people experimenting so like that's well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, just, they just called a drug trial and yeah. even though they still kill people well, <laughs> well i mean don't you remember when we were watching that john adams thing and they had the the <laughs> and they all had they all got vaccinated but the way oh, that yeah. they did it was, you know, the doctor goes out and there was a poor kid in the cart with smallpox and oh, yeah. he just scraped off his one of his boils and, you know, gave it and, and he, he made a cut. Kids. Yeah, well, he made a cut right. and then he put that stuff from the boil in the cut. And that's how they, that's how vaccines started. I mean. Well, I don't know if that's exactly how they started. That was. That, that, Yeah. That was the beginning of all vaccine. I mean, it wasn't a documentary on vaccination. No, but but it was a way to show so how it, they did the day. Yes. Giving yourself the the virus to a healthy person to have the antibodies to come up with the formula, or I'm, yeah, I mean that you give a weakened state of the of the of the disease mm-hmm. to, or at least that's how they used to be. I don't think I think now it's they're all synthetic, so it's kind of at least in that sense of the word is kind of different the ones that think, you, the mainstream ones aren't aren't they synthetic i thought they were i think for the sake of this the this podcast we need to kind of <laughs> rein in what it is that we're defining as biohacking and because you do i mean yeah i mean pharmaceuticals those are the original biohack right um you know vaccines are using using this a weakened form of of a disease to to hack your body into being able to fight it off like so biohacking is really you know in so many ways it's medicine it's it's very broad so i do think i do agree that you know it is people are using biohacking if you will to try to cure cancer they're using biohacking to try to cure you know in that case, yeah, I mean, that gets super broad. So maybe we do focus in on the human optimization part just because there is, there is a different motivation there. There's a different world there. Um, I think about, and then there's, even then there's things that kind of cross, like cross both sides, mm-hmm. such as, you know, the raw milk um, mm-hmm. movement. This idea that I'm going to do this because it's got enzymes for me and it's got different things for my bi- my my gut biome and it's going to make me better. And so, are you trying to cure asthma and stuff like that, like some of the stuff that's out there? Or are you trying, you know? So there's even things down the middle that don't really. It's it's a really broad discussion. I didn't even think about it until we started talking about it. I totally it. did not right? realize how broad it was when I first like my in my mind biohacking was connected to like Tim Ferriss because I had. 
<laughs> he did all sorts of random crazy stuff to himself. And that to me was biohacking until I started looking into the definitions like you did. And I was like, oh, wow, pretty much everything's biohacking if you just like <laughs> measure it and see how it goes. <laughs> so, right. so let's get it on track. And I'm going to ask you, Matt. So what, um, what criteria do you use when you uh, decide to try something? Yeah, I'm curious too. Um, well, I, if I'm trying something new that I need to make sure that I'm not kind of that I don't have a bunch of variables floating around already because one of the things that when, when you get into the, the nutrition side of, of biohacking is you realize that you can add things together and create stacks. And so for example, I might have um, alpha GPC, which is a choline that's uh, able to pass the blood, the blood brain barrier. And then if I combine that with something else, say I combine it with Hooperzine A, which is good at preserving it and preventing breakdown then that, that's, that's the beginning of a stack. And then maybe I can even um, add a Restem to that. So I add maybe something called Nupept, which is an extremely potent uh, molecule that um, encourages the uptake of choline in, into the brain. And it's also you know, neuroprotective. It's, it's, it's a really cool little molecule uh, created in the, in the 90s. And all of a sudden I have this stack of these things that are working together in sync. Um, I can add other Restems to the stack and people will experiment with them and it may, might cause on its own one rest time might alter your mood. Whereas in a stack, it might, might not, or maybe it makes you grumpy and maybe it makes you have really good memory. It depends on how you use it. So making sure that you're starting with not a ton of variables, I think is really important. And then I, I will say, you know, I've been doing this for about five years or so. And I'm definitely not like hardcore about it. I mean, I, I mean, maybe there might be some disagreement there in the sense that I will uh, make capsules um, when I'm during in, Bible study in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, or now that it's not you know, now that it's online, I'm, I'll just do it right in front of the computer. It's super nice. I, I, I don't think I could get away with doing that in a pew. Um, <laughs> given that pretty much everything you used was white powder, I'm just kidding. right. But uh, I don't know, that, that's, that's where I start, making sure that I'm not combining more things than I think I am. Um, and then you got to give yourself a, like a long enough trial. Like some things depend on like how long has it had to build up in your system or just, you know, has you, does your body develop a tolerance? It depends on what you're doing. So what's your primary goal? For me, it's definitely yeah. increased performance. Um, so to take of things, what? Your um, mind, your body? Your sex drive, your yes. creativity. <laughs> I like that, Jen. Awesome right there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> beyond taking zinc, I don't think I've done anything to maybe enhance my sex drive. But I was saying yes to all of it. Oh. Oh. Um, okay. oh. Well, you said it at quite a time. <laughs> you pretty excited. Watch. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get better at sex. <laughs> Wait, um, that's different. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> so going back a long ways on this one back to, back to kind of the beginning of my journey for it, just a quick overview i I'd, I'd watched the movie limitless with bradley cooper but it's like a 2011 movie i had heard joe rogan talk about uh, a company that he promotes on it uh, and and their supplement alpha brain and i'd heard it long enough and and been encouraged just to go for it at some point. I don't know what the jumping off point was, but I bought a bottle of Alpha Brain 
and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The only downside was is that it was $70 and it wasn't a ton in the way of, of doses there. I was also interested in lucid dreaming at the time and, and I would time the dosage so that it would improve lucid dreaming and it did. It was super cool. However, where my, my real journey into biohacking began is when I was like, all right, I can't afford this. Like we were starting Epic Nation Ministries at the time. So I was basically not bringing in any income. And so I, I was looking at the active ingredients and I began diving into the internet trying to find out how I could replicate, you know, find the active ingredients that were providing the effects that I liked and really doubled down on those. And not only was I able to, to, to break those down, but then I was able to find ways to buy bulk powders of those. And so that's why you guys would see me maybe making capsules because it's really um, much less expensive. Like you can start adding the price per pill up if you really get into biohacking and it, you're taking this pill, it's 30 cents a day. This, this one you take two, but it's 15 cents a piece. You know, this one's a dollar, whatever. Like, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm taking like $6 in pills a day. That's, that's, uh, that's not really sustainable for, you know, $180 a month on no, no income. Not super sustainable. Um, like a friend of ours was, was selling plasma to, to like invest in his, his biohacking. You remember Steve? Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was where I really got into it. Um, that's where I found new Pept. New Pept was like, that blew my mind. That was, that was one that, um, you know, it just takes such a small amount, but you add it to the little things that are in alpha brain. And um, I love when you mention all of these different random um, supplements or whatever it is. And I have to go looking them up to <laughs> below in, the, in the show notes. And I'm like, what? what? And I have to try figuring out different ways to spell it. <laughs> sure. Sure. So I'll, I'll start off by saying, yes, I, I'm, I'm not a medical expert. I'm not a doctor. Um, right. Right. <laughs> I don't think any of us are. New pet. The last I checked. <laughs> you didn't get that honorary doctorate in the mail yet? Nope. New pet is spelled N-O-O-P-E-P-T. And um, when combined with choline and huberzine A, like it really allows me to recall information at a much faster pace, allows me to focus at a higher level. My, my own, like probably my biggest struggle when I'm using these stacks is that is, is to not develop the mentality that says I need this. I am not enough without this. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing here. Um, like I, and I, when I started uh, working on my private pilot's license, I would find that when I took this stuff, it really helped me in the air with the multitasking. Um, I was able to recall, you know, all the, all the steps that I needed to do, even though you're supposed to work with a checklist and just work your way down the checklist. Oftentimes I, I would like just forget about my checklist altogether and just try to work through the steps like an idiot and uh, kind of get a little lost. And so when I would, uh, you know, be, I guess, dosed up for the day, it was definitely easier to go through the steps and, and, and learn that whole process. So that, that's definitely a place where I found it. Beyond that, I think uh, chemically, I think anybody who's like a, a serious athlete does a bit of biohacking in the sense maybe they dive into creatine, maybe they, they dive into um, acetyl L-carnitine, um, which is a really cool supplement. Um, I was just writing about it today. I found it, unfortunately, when I was a poor private first class in the Marine Corps. And it was like, 30 pills for $35. But uh, I remember the first time I took that stuff, I was, uh, I went out for a soccer game. I was playing on, on base and I was like, I can see better right now. 
Like I, like my vision was, it was acutely better. And I felt like I was just a little more, a little more nimble. Now, how much of this is psychosomatic? I don't know. You know, how much of it's, how much of it's placebo? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I just knew that that, that particular uh, supplement had a really high grade for, you know, being like actually useful. Whereas like so many things are promoted, very few of them are actually, (laughs) actually useful. Whereas, um, acetyl carnitine today or alcar a-l-c-a-r today you can buy it incredibly cheap especially if you're willing to to put it in capsules yourself so um, hmm. i'm curious do you ever do any blood testing or anything when you're doing your experiments or do you just go based off of how you feel or i am just taking notes on how i feel okay. so i've never never made myself bleed to throw it under a microscope or throw it into a kit to test or anything no. How, much, how, self, how self-aware do you need to be? Um, I, think, I think self-awareness is, I mean, really important. Maybe the, the thing that came to mind right when you said that, though, was like discipline. You need, need to be disciplined about it. And you can't be the person who's going to be getting carried like with an addictive personality. Uh, you, you can't be the person who's just going to say, oh, this works, so I'm going to take more of it. Oh, this works, so I'm going to take more of it. I mean, that, like... Like more dosage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, one of the, uh, a great nootropic is caffeine. And it's, it's, you know, something that all of us are, are very familiar with. But we all know if you take too much caffeine, it, it goes beyond being useful and becomes a pain in the ass. You, you feel jittery. If you may stick, stick to your stomach, you give it to kids, they go nuts. Um, yeah. Get all hopped up on Mountain Dew and throw grandpa's medals off a bridge. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Just, is that a thing you know about? <laughs> is this it's a story? story? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's Ricky Bobby's kids did that one. Nice. Oh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> uh, nootropics, define that. Um, gosh. Is it what, mental? Uh, a brain supplement, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, for cognitive function. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So do you have like a, you know, I have a crap ton of work to do when and... I'm going to take this to help me get through it. I, I, I watched a documentary on the BBC, BBC documentary, sorry, about this one. And let me see what it is. Crap. Modafinil or? Yeah. Yeah. That one. Right on. So Modafinil is like definitely like a hardcore one that a lot of people will recognize. It's prescribed. Um, oh, really? Pe- yeah. People will go out of their way to acquire it. And so some people will get in trouble with it. Um, it's that it, modafinil is one of those that like it doesn't have a long track record, but it works. Like it, I don't think there's any way of getting around saying it works. It's just like uh, people. I think doctors might use it for shift work. It helps people stay alert and and ready to engage. But I mean, when and this maybe might be unfair to modafinil, but when I think about that, it just makes me think about like Adderall and Ritalin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things that people will use that are prescribed that are. Was it? I think Adderall. How close is it to, to meth? Or I don't know. Maybe. I'm, but I, I looked it up on Amazon, and there were a bunch of supplements that had modafinil in them. Or I don't even. I just. Yeah. I, I might be out of date. Maybe it's. Uh, yeah. Look it up. Or looking that up. Um, or maybe that's just allowed in really tiny, small doses. And yeah, it's not maybe like it's that. microdosing or something like that. Sure. Okay, microdosing. Explain that, mm. David. No, that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. isn't it? Isn't it like Sounds what? Like just giving yourself tiny bits of whatever 
Well, I mean, the microdosing that I'm familiar with would be like LSD. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and so people will take like a hundredth of the dose of some of LSD. So the idea is not, is not to be, you know, tripping out of your mind, but to be a fraction altered and altered kind of shows up as just being more creative, more, you know, ready to do something different. So it's, that's a big deal in the, I mean, Silicon Valley, yep. it's known yeah. that Silicon Valley. So if you're not a programmer, you don't know a lot about computers, then you, you may not realize, you know, how mental obviously programming is. It is, it is a combination of math, art, and obviously logic, like programming requires a, you know, a heaping ton of mental uh, acuity. And so programmers have been trying to biohack their ability to, to program tighter programs, cleaner programs, faster programs, better code. You know, it's no different than an author that what's the difference between, you know, your, 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 you know, second grade or I don't know, fifth grade child and uh, freaking, you know, Ernest Hemingway. Like there's a difference in the quality of authorship, right? Um, and so programming, people kind of think it's very just like, well, math is math. Well, yeah, but programming is more than that. There is, there is a lot of that personality of the intelligence of the individual that goes into it. And so uh, microdosing LSD, I know, is one of the things that is popular in, in, uh, in Silicon Valley. Another thing is, is I'm actually very familiar with something called Balmer's Peak which I believe it, I can't remember the first guy's name, but he was one of the main programmers for Apple years ago. And he would, on weekends, he would, while he would work, he would drink. And um, he noticed that he would hit this point with his drinking um, that he, his code would just get insanely good and clear and quick and fast. And he started to track it. And he started to realize there was this point that he knew how many ounces he needed you know, and he knew when to stop and when to stay at that peak point where he could code for hours and like crush it. And things he couldn't figure out all week, he'd figure out in 30 minutes. Things he didn't know how to do, he would figure it out. And he realized that, you know, so even alcohol kind of got him to this, to a certain measure of lucidness to where his code just got super clear and super pristine. And then of course, you know, one more drink and boom, it would just drop <laughs> through the floor. So, um, but, uh, you know, so yeah, hack, biohacking in the computer or in the programming industry is, there's multiple ways and, and I, yeah, microdosing, Balmer's Peak and other things. It's, it's, uh, it's a big deal in that industry. Well, sure. Modafinil, like David was talking about, like that's definitely used. I know there's, I think there's a video about a guy that's going through a boot camp, uh, a programming boot camp, And he was like, he's like, I really enjoyed it, but to keep up with everybody, like I felt like I had to work, you know, twice as hard and, and twice as long. So I was looking for an edge, Modafinil provided the edge that allowed me to stay up and just, and just get these lines of code out. Um, Cause not only are you trying to do all this stuff, but you're trying to get volume of it done too. Yep. So being able to go for long periods of time is uh, definitely a perk. Um, something I found that was really helpful for uh, when I was going through school, um, being able to jam through online lectures um, was not, not something that you take in, but something that you, you listen to. And it was uh, binaural beats. And the really cool thing was, is I was able to listen to, I, I had this um, macroeconomics class, or no, environmental economics class. I don't know which one it was. Um, that was broken up into, into like four quarters. And I was able to 
So the, the whole semester was broken into four quarters. I was able to listen to basically half the semester in one session because I, I, I put the, the speed on double speed and I listened to binaural beats at the same time. The binaural beats helped me focus and elevated my mood. And I was able to jam through that whole thing and just take two tests, like two min, too many exams in the same evening. It was, <laughs> it was wild. Um, yeah, I, I, I do um, have brain FM and yeah, that's the work one. one uh, when I have stuff to do and like really need to concentrate, concentrate and stuff, it's, it, it's almost weird though. Like it's almost weird because when you're done, you almost feel like you were like super hopped up on caffeine or something. Sure. It's sure. like you're almost jittery and, and you were just listening to things. And it says it lasts like, I don't know, hours after you, you have a session with it, you know, it, it's interesting you say class. that. Yeah, like I haven't paid attention to how long they last. I, the thing I've paid attention to is when they start. Like I can almost feel it mm-hmm. when it kicks in. Um, yeah. How does binaural beats work? So you're getting, you need stereo headphones because you're getting two different frequencies, one through each ear. And then your brain's going to modulate a third frequency. And that is going to put you either in, like if you wanted to uh, focus, you know, we could have some alpha brain waves coming through. Cool, can do that. You want theta waves? Cool, we can do that. You want delta waves for deep sleep and, and, and dreams? Cool, we can do that. So people use theta for like uh, meditation, maybe falling asleep. Um, and then, yeah, I think I just said the other two. So nobody, ever, I don't know if anybody ever works for it to get uh, beta waves, but. <laughs> I will say like my hook at the beginning was there's an art and science to biohacking. And I know one time you had me listen to the beats and I was like, I can't listen to this. This is annoying the heck out of me. I want to, all I hear is this one really annoying beat. And so what works for one person doesn't work for all. And maybe it was just that, that sequence of things or whatever that I was listening to. But so if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to try this and I want to try that and you're not getting the same results, it's because it's an art form as well as a science. And finding what works for you personally because we all bring different things to the table and mm-hmm. that's so true that there are some on brain brain fm some styles of music that are annoying as heck God, it was they're, i tried so hard like study kind and they're like oh my word this is so boring sounding or whatever and I, you know i like to listen to music when i work and sometimes i can get into a groove with that but like um yeah, so there's certain ones that I like to listen to with mm. with that. Right on. Certain just, styles. Just to double down on what Jenna was saying, I, that, that that individual experimentation is so required. Even going back to the very beginning when we, were, when we were talking about things that you're stacking, that you're taking in, like somebody's stack might work perfectly for them and then you go ahead and try that same stack and it makes you feel horrible and your brain feels foggy and you know you're just regretting it all day. So... Um, it definitely depends on the individual and how you're, you're wired and your receptors, how they're taking things up and how, you know, the, might come down to the, your gut biome, like Austin mentioned earlier. Like there's so many individual factors that you have to take in. It's the same with, it's the same with clinical trials and drugs, you know, oh, side effects may include like it's, 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 it is not like, uh, organic things are not to be treated like mechanic things. 
Sure. Right. You know, if you, if, if the water, you know, the, the fuel pump on your vehicle goes out, you just go find another fuel pump and put it back in. You know, there's a reason that if you need a heart transplant, you need people with the right blood type. You need people, you know, that the, by the organic biology of each individual person is, is customized and organic systems, um, you know, cannot just copy paste. Oh, this worked for you. So it will work for me by all means. So question have, has anyone, any of you guys tried um, muscle testing to see what what might work before having to try it, like ingest it? <laughs> no? I think for me and what I use the most is just that feeling, um, mm. just or that, that feeling or that thought is a stronger communicator for me than muscle testing. I still muscle test and stuff, but it's my go-to is like, I need to do this. And if I think the next day, I still need to do this. And then a week from now, I still need to do this. And three weeks from now, I haven't done it yet, but I need to do it. Like that's my communicator as what to try and what not to try. Or even kind of what Austin was talking about earlier, like knowing yourself, like I'm having these symptoms and I want to resolve them, but I don't want to go to the doctor to take some kind of dosage of whatever I'm going to do an organic thing. And, oh, if I take magnesium, it's going to help me sleep better. And I'm going to function better. I'm going to have less depression and my menstrual cycle is going to be awesome. Like those are the things I'm looking for to enhance my biology. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've never done muscle testing for that purpose, but I think I've, I've never, or I haven't given muscle testing it's due in recent years. Like it's way more powerful than I give it credit for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there, is there any, um, biohacking that you guys have done. I mean, is there any one thing that you're like, oh, this is this is it? Like this, everybody has to try this thing. <laughs> I know for me, I'll keep it because we. Oh my gosh, we may sh- you know we should do an episode on energy work, hmm. right? As a whole, because we all are familiar with it in different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, write it down; it's an idea. Okay, but by and large, yeah. Um, for me, as a biohacking tool using energy work and specifically psyche emotion code um, body code there's different modalities that uh, if you're not familiar with the fact that your life is a perfect reflection of your beliefs and your emotions just check out the biology of belief uh, there's another one uh, there's there's more and more you know dr. Joe Dispenza Bruce Lipton uh, Oh man, uh, the intention experiment by, I can't remember her name. Um, you got Dr. Carolyn Leaf who talks about the, you know, your beliefs and your brain, I mean, that like there's, there's more and more and more proof coming out that what you believe and the emotions you carry are, um, highly, highly, uh, influential on your biological reality. And, um, I mean, we all know it on a very simple level, stress, right? Emotional stress. Mm-hmm. Some people deal with emotional stress and it can help them mature and it can, you know, improve their, their, you know, uh, physical appearance by I'm stressed out. So I'm going to, I'm going to go run and I'm going to, you know, all of a sudden like how you deal with stress, you can actually hack your body you know, using it in, in emotional energy or vice versa. You can hack your body in the negative. You can, you know, go smoke and drink and, and get high all the time because you're stressed and you don't know how to deal with it. And you can, you're, it's still hacking your body. So, you know, in many ways, um, you know, you want to get to the root of some of this stuff, deal with your, the energy, your beliefs, your emotions. Um, 
and then on top of that, I mean, we all, uh, you know, one of my favorite examples of the fact that you, you have a, you're not just a physical body. You are a spirit that houses a soul and a body. And one of the things we're all kind of familiar with, if, if you've ever been standing in a, at a concert or in a, in a restaurant or something, and you feel somebody looking at you, and then you turn over and you see, oh, yep, they cer- certainly were looking at you. Your body is not just the physical. Your existence is bigger than your physical body. And therefore, again, if you want to hack your body, biohack, then address the energetic realities. You know, you have a personal bubble. You ever had that weird, creepy dude stand next to you in the grocery line? You're like, dude, you're in my space. Like, get out of my space. What are you talking about? It's not your space. You have, they're not touching your body. But yet they're inside of your energetic existence. That, um, again, if you want to, you know, that is my go-to, is I believe, because everything is energy, even, even at its core, all of these uh, nootropics you're talking about, all of these supplements, they're still energetic, right? They carry a frequency into our bodies and they still get broken down into something uh, energetic. And we know that quantum physics tells us. So for me, the ultimate biohack is energy work. Um, and I do, you know, I saw you write it down, Christina. I do think we should do an episode on energy work. I think it'd be great. But that is my go-to, specifically uh, K and Emotion Code. And I've, and I've developed a, uh, a little bit more comprehensive system for myself uh, called Belief IQ. I even have a website, beliefiq.com. Still being built for the most part, but it looks great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and it's a modality that I am, I'm kind of designing as the ultimate biohack, in my humble opinion. But again, that's how do you, you know, biohacking is almost anything at this point. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> but that is my, that's my, uh, and that's what my article's on too, by the way. So check it out. Well, it's kind of funny to think about it in that way because um, energy work could be very expensive. But if you think about not having to take all these supplements forever, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it is kind of, I don't know, a, a hack. A hack of biohacking, maybe? <laughs> biohack hack. Uh-huh. Um, the, thing, the thing that was kind of hitting me while you were talking, Allison, was like, you know, um, the uh, cementing in my mind how much of an art it is. Because I was thinking, while you were talking, I was like, well, I bet you you could probably biohack or um, chemical bi- chemistry biohack in order to improve your energy. Because, uh-huh. I mean, uh, a lot of the energy work is how you view yourself. If you have, uh, it, I guess, I think you were saying something about magnesium that makes you less depressed or whatever, or, or that can have that effect. Well, if, uh, if you take magnesium and you have a more positive outlook on yourself, on life, then you automatically raise your energy level. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it is an art. There, you you can you could do energy work and take some of this stuff to enhance things, and you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I was like, man, you know, hey, it is an art. It, you you kind of have to have some sort of uh, ability or, or way of testing things out and seeing what works best for you, and 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 how to um, enhance your results and stuff like that. So I it's think kind of an interesting thought there. Mm-hmm. There is a modality out there that's called body code. 
mm-hmm. that does combine these two. It combines energy work and right. biohacking. So it actually leads you to like, hey, you need this supplement and you need to address this belief. You need to, you need to release this trapped emotion and you need to start eating bananas. You know, like it, <laughs> it will actually, oh, you need to actually start doing this stretch or you need to go over it. Like it, it, it takes, it's body code. I've really, really want to get certified in it. It's just expensive and I haven't had the money. But um, yeah, there are, there is a, a really cool, really cool. I've seen it do amazing things. I have a friend who couldn't get pregnant for years and years and years, went and did one session of body code. That thing led to uh, a Mayan massage therapy. Um, and now they have three children. Like within, within a month, she was pregnant, stayed pregnant, and could not be pregnant for like 12 years. Um, and body code fixed that. Like, no, the body code said, now go over here and get this Vigo Mayan massage and did something with her, like her uterus was, was off kilter. And so there was a massage therapy thing. So the energy work led to, you know, actual physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And it could, I think there was also a couple of supplements she needed to take. So it is all intertwined. And it is, you're right, it's totally an art. And it is totally a, you know, you have, and there's an awareness requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think cannot be overstated. That's why I asked earlier, Matt, like how aware do you have sure. to be? Because, because a lot of people are like, well, I've uh, just been taking these pills. The doctor told me to really, how do they, how are you doing with that? Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. I guess I still feel shitty and nothing's really changed, but you know, it cost me $300 a month. <laughs> my my pee turned purple. <laughs> yeah. It just, and people just kind of go through because somebody in a white lab coat told you to do it. Right. And that is the new, that is the new, like, <laughs> that's the new Buddha, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the doctor told me to do it. So I just, I have, it's the new religion. It's the new, well, it's, that's how I, I get to heaven. More, I think it's more of the old. Cause I, I really feel like as biohacking comes more into the crease, we're moving out of that kind of age and moving into something where we're taking ownership of it and we're crossing the different fields of thought and energies and really breaking ground. True. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the old Buddha that many of the existing generations still view as kind of the last authority. The doctor said, but there's more and more people absolutely crossing these lines and taking responsibility for their own life, which is so good. Thank you. Internet. (laughs) It's kind of, yeah, it's fascinating and a little irritating also though, but the, what what we're talking about in in the sense that there are people that um that do take lab coats as deities you know mm-hmm. and because uh, i i was thinking you know man there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of let's just prescribe this drug or let's do this and then people are like okay and they just take the drug without you know understanding side effects and whatever without thinking that there might be something better out there for things well then i'm sure there are, I, I, there are I, I can i can talk about that a lot mainly because of some mentalities that people i know have and so but yeah uh-huh. it's probably not it's probably not a rabbit trail we want to go on this podcast. <laughs> oh, like I, I i know i was essentially listening to a guy in a white coat but it was i was reading a book as um, dr michael colgan he's a canadian doctor which i think he is um Primarily now, I think he focuses on anti-aging and he looks amazing for his age. Back in the day, he worked with Olympic athletes on performance and I was interested in, in, in increasing my athletic performance and I thought that 
you know, I thought I was not enough. And so I was looking to make sure that I was maximizing every part of me um, to make sure I wasn't deficient in things. And it was funny, like I, I bought his book, Sports Nutrition Guide. And I think it was around, around the, the turn of the millennium. <laughs> um, and if you had gone into my barracks room when I was in the Marine Corps, I literally had a tackle box that I filled with pills. Mm-hmm. And then, but it was like, it had three rows. So I, I knew when to take, I, I would fill it up. So like morning, lunch, evening, and then seven days a week. And it was just, I was just trying to take everything because it was built out of this mentality that I am not enough. But if mm-hmm. I do this, then I might be enough. But I don't want to get too far into that. I know we, uh, we're going around the circle there. I'm talking about things that we, that, things that were, were really working for us. The one thing maybe. Hadn't got to yet. Oh, okay. Um, well, I kind of briefly talked about magnesium and that's really helped me a lot with my sleep patterns. Sometimes I have um, a little bit of insomnia patterns. And so that's helped me curve that. Um, as well as some minor depression, as well as a menstrual cycle. So if that's something that interests you, I definitely recommend trying some magnesium out. Um, And then the other thing that I've worked on, um, and this is, I think, where the art form comes in, where I actually had my blood work taken, and it turned out I had, my liver was not fully functioning properly. And I was just told by um, the doctors to, um, hey, your numbers are kind of, on the radar to be checking things out, but you know, we'll come back in a couple of months and try it out. And so I did a little Googling, found out that um, milk thistle is a really natural herb, a good herb to address your liver. And so I did that and I came back and did my bloods. And that was actually something that um, my blood work did come out. Sorry, normal. So <laughs> <laughs> um, that I think for me, that was kind of a really good indicator of, you know, I, I had the the blood work drawn before and after and seeing the big, the big increase on that. So those were the two things that I kind of am working on really right now. Right on. So, I mean, the magnesium kind of addresses a deficiency and I think, I don't, I mean, I don't know where everybody stands on where nutrition, uh, how, how it's faring in a, in the modern agricultural system. Some people might say that. What what nutrition? (laughs) Um, just, (laughs) For example, the the vitamins and minerals might not be as up to snuff as they once were right. when yeah, we're taking soil and just you know making it pump out you know crop fruits crop. yeah crop after crop not giving it rest but we're throwing in fertilizer so it's still growing um, I don't know but I mean some people might say that because of that food's not as nutritionally dense as it once was and so naturally even without that people are often on the border. Um, of, of having enough magnesium as it is. And so one of the things that we do supplement regularly here in the household with is, is magnesium. So in the form of maybe um, magnesium lysinate or magnesium uh, glycinate, uh, well, chelated form, uh, or even magnesium chloride in it in the form of a spray. Um, like those are before bed, those are great options. I mean, the only warning I would put on that oil is that it does cause skin irritation. Well, so, for some. For some. So if you're me or our children, it feels like your skin is like tickly, like it's burning. Not burning, but it's it's not a pleasant. You want to kind of rub it off and not do that again. So <laughs> I, think, I think it's worth mentioning too that not all <laughs> supplements are created equal. Oh, certainly. Oh. OMG. Like um, my wife is huge into some of the certain supplements, magnesium, 
uh, glycinate is one of them. Um, she's also in like turmeric with the uh, active ingredient, which is something I can't remember right now. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, oh, I, I take turmeric for inflammation. Well, if it doesn't have the right active ingredients or if it's not a quality term, you, you're just literally throwing money down the drain. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think, what is it like? You could take all the vitamin D in the world, but if you don't get sunlight, it's not going to be activated. Right. Stuff like that. So um, knowing, you know, just taking something because you have a shortage doesn't mean you're getting it. Right. Sure. Or because you're taking the right one, if you're taking a crappy ingredient or a cheap off store brand, there's a reason they're cheap. Mm. You know? Well, and I think the one thing that kind of, because we used to get magnesium and zinc all together. And sure. those two, when you put them together, they actually fight against absorption for your body. So well, they compete for, absorption. they compete, sorry. So there's that piece. But then if you're taking um, calcium as well as magnesium at the same time or within 30 minutes, that's also a competing factor. So if I'm drinking a glass of milk with my magnesium, then. Right. Sure. And, then, and the active ingredient in tumor, turmeric is curcumin. I just remembered it. Nice. <laughs> um, and that's one of the reasons I, I, I brought up the form of magnesium because right. there's, there's a lot of different forms and they, you know, they all have, you know, varying degrees of usefulness. But if you want bioavailability, if you want ease of uptake, that's, you need to make sure you're getting the right kinds in. I think another great example is vitamin E. A lot of the vitamin E that people will get in a, a multivitamin is synthetic vitamin, vitamin E. And it's not like, it has a twist that is going to make it, that's like the opposite way of, of the twist that your body's going to have a receptor for. And mm-hmm. so, yes, it's technically vitamin E, but it's not going to be absorbed. It can. Mm. So, um, why do you think they do that? Is that just like a ploy to get more money, or honestly, well, the manufacturers don't understand how it works? Or why haven't they been sued? <laughs> I think I think there's no oversight. That, yeah, and I think one answer is a lot of science is still mechanic. Mm. Sure. Oh, you need vitamin E. Here's some vitamin E. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. This this kind's yeah. expensive to make, but this time this this is you know synthetic and cheap. So we'll get this in there. Well, yeah, I mean, for being an industry that's frame or like literally is all about biology and organic systems, the 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 allopathic method largely put a mechanic system inside of inside of that world, and I think you still get a lot of supplements and a lot of companies that are like, oh, vitamin E is vitamin E is vitamin E. My my petri dish says it's vitamin E, mm. so. It must be vitamin E, really? Like, and so I think they're starting to realize, yeah, this is significantly more organic and complicated than we realized. I think, yeah, and, and the, the, the funny thing here is, like, there, there is a still so much to learn about the human body. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what people need to understand is that doctors, say, for example, when we had our daughter our first daughter don't give him peanut butter it'll make him allergic to it with the last one that we had last year the doctor was like oh yeah you can give him whatever you want to give him yeah peanut butter yeah it's fine yeah it was pretty interesting seeing the difference really? you know not even just that, but <laughs> what's the age difference between years, you know, the kid has peanut age. butter and she's gonna you know go into anaphylactic shock well. but Eight years later, oh, that's fine. No problem. Yeah, give them whatever you want to give them. It's fine. I just watched a documentary on that. Hmm. And they're realizing that it's dosing. It's microdosing. 
Yeah. And it's, or it's essentially like a vaccine. And they realized they were telling all the, all the parents not to give their kids peanut butter. And the peanut butter, the peanut allergy went through the roof because kids weren't getting the, the, that part of their microbiome able to deal with it. And so now they do tell you, yeah, give them peanut butter. And that's how they're curing it too, is they're doing dosing of, of peanuts or dosing of, you know, uh, you know, selfish, selfish or whatever. The crazy thing here is like <laughs> that we have people that we're supposed to be trusting with our lives mm-hmm. that are learning things that are extremely contradictory to each other within a span of 10 years. The problem is I don't mind that, but it's how they present themselves as being the final authority. That's that's exactly where I'm getting to that, you know, your doctor is like, you can't do this or take this. And, 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 you know, they're giving you, they're prescribing um, antibiotics for everything. Oh, you have a sore throat antibiotics. Really? (laughs) Oh, well, we actually watched a video on why they're doing that because, of and big pharma. like the fancy doctor yeah when people go into a doctor's office they expect to get treated and so even if it's not yeah. yeah even if it's not something that's going to be treated by antibiotics but they're like hey i need antibiotics all right here but, but but see and, <laughs> the, well, and, and the thing is like all these antibiotics are getting into our our water sources mm-hmm. and we're essentially contributing to all these super bugs because as we as we take antibiotics as these bugs take antibiotics and become uh, uh, immune to them, then they can live longer. And then we have to figure out, okay, well, we need stronger antibiotics. It's, it's, a, it's a, a vicious cycle there. And so, yeah, I don't know. Dude, there are so many Some things bugs. that I want to talk about right now. <laughs> what is it about biohacking? It, it, it is. It is. I mean, just on, on, on the sore throat thing, like this is the, this one small massage technique just has changed my life in the oh, last yeah. few years. And it was lymph node massage. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of, of videos on the internet, but like I was, I got to a point with the work that I was doing, where I was doing a lot of high altitude, depressurized flight. So my body was swelling a lot, unswelling. My sinuses were swelling, unswelling. And I was getting, um, just constant sinus infections, like every other month, it seemed like it was a horrible way to live. I ended up quitting that job. Um, not but, because of that. Right. But it was yeah. definitely not, the <laughs> not going to keep me around there like that. And just the act of, of, of working through understanding that the lymph node system is there to, to carry away waste, waste products and that you can kind of help clear traffic that might get blocked up every once in a while. Um, whenever I feel like I might have a sore throat coming on now, I just go to, I turn to lymph node massage and nothing ever comes of it. Like I end up feeling fine. Like it was a fun, a fun teaching point with our daughter just a month ago or so. Cause she was fighting it. She said it was boring. I was like, Hey man, like, I want some prevention's worth a pound of cure. Mm. And, uh, Sunk in deep. <laughs> well, I think it, so, so bottom line is that she didn't do it. And then she ended up doing it a whole lot more over the coming month just to kind of get back on track. Right. Like it was, it was silly. Huh. Saying, think some, go ahead. No, I was just gonna ask, are you saying you do it randomly periodically, not just when you're feeling something? No, so I mean it's it's a preventative. So if I right. if if I sneeze maybe a, more more often than than I think I should, what's the, what's the <clears throat> amount of sneezing? But like, yeah, my body's trying to tell me something. So I'm just gonna go ahead and and, and help make sure oh, things okay. are moving properly. Because when things you know, just like water, if it gets 
stagnant, that's when things begin to grow and whatnot. Well, if, if your if your lymph fluid gets stagnant, that's when things are going to start getting nasty. So help it move and clear out. And then, like I said, if I ever like a sore throat, I'll go ahead and run through it. It takes you know, I, I can usually do it, and I can do a small amount of it in a couple in a minute. I can do a heavy amount in five minutes if I'm if I'm just watching a show. Hey, I've got, I've got all the time in the world to sit there and just love my face and my neck area, you know? Wow. Yeah. You, you, you know, again, awareness. Sure. You know, do you go, Oh, if I sneeze more than I think I should, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like how many, I've never paid attention to that. I'm a pretty aware individual, but mostly on a spiritual level, on a physical level. I mean, we, didn't we already do the episode on like intentional presence? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm paying more attention to my physical than I ever have in my in my life, and it is there's a whole different type of awareness that, like I can see why people being as where as they are are you know super fit and super this and super that, you know I think it's a very rare individual that can do that both physically and spiritually. But I want to be one of those, um, yeah. But awareness is is stinking key, man. It is you you. To, and to be aware of your body speaking to you in all those different ways, it's, that's a big, big key. So, um, something that you said made me think of this word that I learned when I was doing some of the research. It's called orthorexia, which is an obsessive focus on quote-unquote healthy eating, an exaggerated fear of disease, a sense of personal impurity, anxiety, and shame if an individual violates self-imposed dietary rules and they increase dietary restrictions over time. And it was... It was in um, information about <clears throat> uh, neutrogenics. Is that what it was? Yeah. Neutrogenetics <clears throat> and neutrogenomics, whatever that word was that you said at the beginning. I apparently didn't write that one down. <laughs> um, but just that's, that's something that is, I guess, easy to go from being self-aware and going kind of overboard <laughs> and right. being really focused on it. Um, and that's anyway, so they came up with the word orthorexia for that, which I thought was kind of interesting. Almost like they could do some energy work around their beliefs. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the hack the hack. <laughs> yeah. hmm. Right on. I mean, man, there's, there is so much to talk about here. Like, I, I mean, I, we haven't even talked about heat or cold at all. <laughs> I think, uh, Wim know, Hof, Right. Wim Hof has really, you know, kind of nailed down the market right now on cold exposure. If you're not familiar with Wim, W-I-M, Hoff, H-O-F, and his method, the Wim Hof method. My goodness, look into that. I mean, just the idea of taking a cold shower, which is not unique to Wim Hof. Like so many people have talked about, have advocated taking cold showers. And, you, and a lot of people are like, well, I like a nice warm shower in the morning or in the evening, whatever it is. It's relaxing. And I totally understand that. However, just even if you're taking a portion of that shower, and making making it cold, the the health benefits are there. They are tangible. They are documented. It is so good for you. And I mean, even just to wake up in the morning, it'll really get you going. Um, now, a question here in regards to that: do, Does the water have to be like how cold does the water have to be? Does it does it matter uh, lower cold. than body temperature or uh, you know freezing or what? I mean, so I, you're looking for the colder the better, typically. I mean, I know people have. When I was in the Wim Hof group on Facebook, I, before I got kicked, you got kicked out of <laughs> I the got Wim kicked off. I, got, I argued, I argued oh, with the mod. I argued with the mod, and I was like, "I was like, this kick me out. I don't even care." So he kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, sassy Matt. Right. Um, 
anyways, uh, <laughs> it, it was fun to see some of the things that people would do in places where it was very hard to get cold water. So people that were in Central America were like mm-hmm. taking um, like a strainer that you'd run your food through and they would fill it with ice and then hang it over their, oh, wow. their, uh, their shower head to get, get cold water. Oh, great. Now um, David has that idea in his head. <laughs> um, he takes cold showers a lot, but he was saying today he doesn't I don't, think they're I don't, cold enough. I don't shower with warm water anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing is like, you know, here, uh, when it was winter, er, it was, uh, the, the water was cold, colder. Sure. But now it's just kind of like, eh, you know, great. <laughs> yeah. As it moves into summer, man, I've become so adjusted to this cold water. Yeah. <laughs> awesome cold water showering. Um, I don't know. I, it, it definitely is. I mean, depending where you are in the, in the, in the world, more fun, I think, to, to challenge yourself with the colder water. Like I know, yeah, I did a, uh, I celebrated the Marine Corps birthday in the Columbia River. which that's, That was November. Um, went for a, well, it was like a three-mile run in the water. It was intense, but it was fun. Uh, my, feet, my feet got cold. It was funny. I realized I was, I was like, man, what did my feet hurt so bad afterwards? I was like, you just ran three miles barefoot, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. So, so there's cold, which is super good for you. But then there's heat too. I mean, like when we moved here, like one of the, one of the things that I was like, we got to get one of these. I've been wanting one of these forever. And we bought a sauna, um, an infrared sauna. And it was an amazing purchase. I, I love it. Still use it. Um, probably get it going tonight. Mm-hmm. just um where, whereas cold exposure will help you build up brown adipose tissue which is good for um your body being able to use fat and convert it into heat and saunas will help you produce heat shock proteins and they have their own benefits and i mean we can just the idea of of sitting in there i can multitask so much in that sauna i can i can have what i call you know mystic mat time where i'm just Creating whoa. my future. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ah. Keep it G. <laughs> Keep it G. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, we're, I'm imagining the life that I want to have and just, you know, going into the details. What does my life look like? What does it feel like when I have that life? Um, or, I, or I can uh, be listening to YouTube videos and, and, and reading stuff, prepping for our next conversation on here, whatever it is. I mean, I, I often stretch in there, make sure I'm, I work in my posture in there. Um, and y- you can do a lot in a heated box for an hour. So an uh, hour. Oh my. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, I, I, Just, I try to spend at least 40 minutes in there, but sometimes, you know, I'm feeling really good and I'll go for an hour and 20 sometimes just, I don't know. I usually go for less than 40, but no more. I th- less. I think that, yeah. I think there's like a threshold of at least like 20 minutes that you want to spend in one, but. There's you don't really so start much. sweating until after 20 minutes. Well, the interesting thing with, with uh, infrared ones is that, you're not necessarily like, it's not like a traditional sauna where you're waiting for the heat to cause you to sweat. The infrared heaters are impacting you differently. They're penetrating at a different, in a different way. So you're not necessarily waiting for the sweat. Mm. Okay. It's another signal, but it's not with necessarily the, the end goal. There's and just it, so many things. There are. And it's interesting too, because I can see, um, oftentimes I'll bring in some salt water to drink while I'm in there. And I can tell if I've, if, if I go back to back nights, I can tell like if I went too long the previous night because my stamina to stay in there is just gone. But if I make sure, if, if I have plenty of, you know, electrolytes. Of, of good electrolytes in me, yeah, I'm ready to rock for a long time. Huh. But that costs, you know, the sauna costs money, but there's lots of stuff that doesn't cost money that you can hack. For example, I think one of my favorites right now is neurobics. And 
the idea of aerobics, like jazzercise, you know, for your body, it's like, it's like aerobics for your mind. So this is something you can have your kids do tonight. You can do it tonight. So maybe I usually brush my teeth with my right hand. Well, today I'm going to do it with my left hand and standing on one foot. That's an example of, of just causing your brain to run through reps that it wouldn't normally get and stretch in a different way. You can do that. You can walk through your house blindfolded. You can just engage your imagination. There's so many ways to. Well, I'm also wondering, does um, crossing the midline activities would probably do the same what, what does that mean, crossing the midline? So um, when your two brain hemispheres are together, as we live life and whatnot, they start to separate. And so when you cross the midline is when you're crossing the center of your brain. So it's simple, like taking your thumb and making a figure eight and holding it with your and watching it with your eyes that connects your two brain hemispheres and connects them back together. So is that the same thing or is that kind of different? It's different, but it's, but it's a good thing to do. I mean, that's, that's demonstrably been shown to help kids, right? Like that's, they, they make yes, point. yes. And that is a big age development thing when, with the younger kiddos. Um, that's why crawling is so important as well as um, walking in a straight line forwards and backwards and, and whatnot and skipping because you're crossing those um, the hemispheres of communication. So your left side talks to your right side and your right side talks to your left side. So you're saying, Jen, that, sorry, that mm -hmm. the, those hemispheres separate as you get older and that, what, that creates all sorts of issues with. Yeah. I mean, stuff? we, we talked about that a little bit in Psyche, but there's also like the physical pieces of that where um, I think at one point there was a surgeon who's like, I'm going to cut the, the fleshy part in between the two hemispheres and this person to see if that means it does anything for them. And he obviously agreed to it. And, and then um, the after effects is that he didn't have body communication with those left and right because that the fleshy material keeping your brain hemispheres together has a job, has a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of plays into our beliefs as well as um, emotions when it comes to those kind of things. And I'm sure Austin has maybe <laughs> some things to talk on with that. Yeah, I mean, we. I think. Are we going to do an episode on energy work, something like that? Beliefs, yeah, I mean, yeah. That makes sense too. Totally. totally. So, not to belabor it, but yeah, I mean, as far as the whole brain uh, um, reality of your uh, of your physical brain and how it actually opens up an energetic channel to your heart. Um, I actually like how Tony Robbins actually he has a exercise where. He'll talk about like, you, let's say you've got this decision, this really difficult decision you've been hesitating to make and, um, you know, you, you don't know what to do. And then he actually leads you through like this where you put your hand on your heart and he, you close your eyes and you actually start feeling your heartbeat. And he leads you through, you know, there's music in the background. He said, you know, just think about your heart, this faithful heart who's always been there, you know, beating so many times a second, so many times a, a week. It's never failed you. All the stuff you've put through it, all the stuff you've done to it, all the stuff that it's been with you. And, he, and his whole point is, is to get your brain thinking about your heart. And what happens is, is that as you actually connect to your heart physically and mentally, the, uh, the brain waves and the heart waves begin to match. And um, as, as, as opposed to, like, typically your brain waves are one thing, EKG and EEG, yeah, and those two, mm -hmm. um, that the waves are different. But when you do this exercise, they get in sync. And now, and then he'll deal the exercise and he'll say, now, what, do you, what, do you, what decision do you believe you should make? 
and it's your brain's able to get in touch with what your heart knows. And then you get into beliefs and emotions and all that. And there's a reason that that works, but yeah, the, that getting your brain in sync with itself and then getting your brain and opening up the line of communication with your heart, um, brain gym, I believe it is, mm. came up with, uh, something known as the whole brain posture. Mm. Um, and that is, it uses, and psyche uses that, um, and you, you know, you crossed your arms at the wrist and your feet at the ankles. And there's, you know, uh, in many ways, there's not, there's, there's not a right or wrong way to cross, but if you want improved performance, you can actually muscle test, you know, which arm should be on top, which leg should be on top type of thing. And then you, uh, one of the things I'll do if I'm stressed or I'm not sure what to do, or I mean, like, like I'll just sit in a whole brain posture at a restaurant anywhere, like freaking cross my ankles, cross my wrists and just kind of sit there and talk. And what you're doing is is actually opening up the energetic channel between your heart and your brain, and you're cross, you're crossing, as you said, Jen, you're actually crossing the midline too, uh, where your right side is crossing with your left. Mm-hmm. So it's not only connecting your left and right brain, but it's also then correct, connecting your brain with your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit there for you. <laughs> uh, can we go back? Who was the video from about the heart and the brain? Uh, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. He does an exercise on it. This this hard exercise. I love it. I've used it a few uh, times. I might have to go find really, that. Really, really good. Thanks. Well, we're we're going kind of long here, so maybe it's time to go around the circle and maybe just get in something that you know you can at least I don't know direct somebody towards something or give your full opinion. Okay, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think at the end of the day, the more you can know yourself and your goals, the farther you're going to take yourself. I, we spent a lot of time tonight or today sharing what we've experienced and what we're studying and what works for us. Um, take it and, and use it to the best of your abilities, but also be true to yourself and who you are and um, connect something that's meaningful for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it sounds like there is a crap ton of stuff to do. And uh, it, and I was feeling a little bit um, a little bit hopeless today. I was just like, oh my word, there's so much stuff to do. And where do you start and whatever. But um, just pick one thing and just do one thing and, and start from there. I mean, yeah, one step at a time. Don't, don't try to run before you can walk. Um, or even stand and so um, I know there's there are some things that I'm planning on incorporating into my routine and and I'm not planning on incorporating everything right away so uh, but yeah and actually in the same vein what would you suggest one thing Matt what's the easiest thing that you would that you would say you would suggest hey you know if you if you do something do this Um, in the modern society we live in now get a blue blocker for your phone, whether it's an app that is going to filter out the blue light or for your laptop, you can, you know, I know windows for sure has a mode that you can go and put it into evening mode and it just takes the the blue light out. It's kind of like a a red filter. So everything has a reddish tint to it, Mm -hmm. but having that, um, getting rid of that, that light frequency, you know, for, for, you know, thousands of years, we were guided by the, the rising and and the setting of the sun. That's, that was our, that was our alarm clock in the morning. I guess unless when you, you were one of those rich people that had candles. Now, you know, we have lights all around us all the time, especially, you know, we carry them in our pockets and that light, it can just destroy your sleep. 
at night. Like I, I think one of the tools I have, I invested it in is called an aura ring and it's got sensors on this side. And it just basically it, it can track my brain waves at night. It can tell me how much REM sleep I'm getting, how much deep sleep I'm getting. It tracks how long I've slept, um, where there were, you know, it tracks my heart rate and all that kind of heart rate variability, all sorts of things. So that in the morning it can tell me what my sleep was like and what my readiness for that day is like and what kind of activity it recommends. And while that might sound like a bit overboard, the big takeaway is I can tell like, okay, I did this stuff last night and my deep sleep, the deep restorative sleep suffered because of it. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't drink alcohol before bedtime. Maybe I shouldn't be watching a television show to fall asleep too, or maybe my REM sleep suffered. So maybe it was, you know, eating too close to bedtime. I don't know, whatever. Um, and the cool thing is, is you can see trends develop over time with something like a tool like this. Um, I liked it cause it was a multitasking tool. I lost my wedding ring a long time ago in a river on a, on a float. And so I needed another one and this kind of fit the bill. So cheap, easy app that blocks the blue light on your phone after a certain time that you set would be an easy one because I talked about, you know, to open up major in the majors, minor in the minors. If you're not getting the quality sleep, it affects your whole life. So if you're not getting the quantity or the quality, that's, that's a big deal. And then the other half of that coin is what, what are you eating and when are you eating? You know, I, I have probably mentioned somewhere, you know, how much I, I changed my diet almost. I, you know, so today it's, it's May right now. Um, almost Memorial day weekend, Memorial day weekend last year. I changed my diet. I went to intermittent fasting, I went to the keto diet. Um, I've stuck with intermittent fasting. I've done seasonal keto, but I had knee pain for 14 years. Doctor, you know, I went to so many doctors for this, that physical therapy had, you know, insoles, all sorts of things. You know, I was throwing suggestions at the doctors and like, Oh, it's a good idea. You should try that. <laughs> um, changing what I ate and when I ate it, I have no more. I haven't had knee pain in the last year. And I, my activity has been able to soar. I went from having to ice my knees if I went up and down the stairs a couple extra times in a day to running stadium steps with my kids all summer. And I'm looking forward to it again this summer. You know, I, I went from, you know, if I was coaching, to, you know, to, to hurt, to bend down, to demonstrate something to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm officiating games where I'm in a crouching stance for like two hours now. <laughs> um, so changing what I ate and when I ate it transform my life. Hmm. So majoring in the majors, those, those two are huge. What you eat and what, how you sleep. Hmm. Uh, that's good. I'd say for me, my name, my, you know, how many people listening to this podcast have just gotten used to some sort of pain, some sort of thing. And at some point you have to, you have to give yourself permission to kind of re-engage a desire for a better way of life. And I, I, it's, it's, I've talked a lot, I keep kind of hitting on awareness, but also intent, right? Because, yeah, well, I've just, I've, I just had this pain my whole life. Well, do you want to keep it? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's because, because the guy in the white lab coat told you it was, you know, you're going to have it your whole life, you know, Matt knee pain for 14 years. Is that true? It's not true. Your body knows how to how to build a healthy body. It did it once before, and uh, they're finding you know even 
even down to like there's ways to regrow teeth now like oh no you'll get one set of teeth that, that's actually not true cool. um and and the activation of of the things that your body knows how to do so if you've kind of gotten used to this thing whatever it is i'm used to the neck pain i'm used to the knee pain i'm used to the whatever um you know reignite your intention um and and see if you can't actually go address it um and uh i think biohacking in this in this discussion has a lot of potential solutions that uh you you may not have even known existed so totally um i that's kind of along the lines of what i was going to mention um is just as i was doing some of this research and uh, watched a video of a guy who was doing some experiments um on himself in a very in a very empowered way and it made me think how the people who follow this way of thinking or, or the desire to improve um uh, other than what i mentioned earlier with the orthorexia <laughs> going overboard um <clears throat> other than that they're people who are thinking not thinking of themselves in a victim sort of way not being um subject to the way that their body is currently and it's very it's a, it's a very empowering thing and i think it's it's a pretty cool outlook um it's a hopeful outlook which is something that we're very into with epic <clears throat> and then also um to go off of what matt was talking about earlier with the changing up your um, habitual ways of doing things like switching arm switching hands for brushing teeth and stuff like that a quote from the guy who created bulletproof coffee the brand um he says put yourself in uncomfortable situations to lower your expectations and raise your tolerance um i guess yeah i think there i'll put more context in my article but the concept that we get too comfortable <laughs> And we, we can't handle stuff in general. Um, so, but yeah, that was, that was basically, he, he was saying the same thing as what Matt was saying essentially was trick, ch change up your, the way that your brain is um, handling information and it, it has a powerful impact on all sorts of things, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't personally, I don't feel like I've done much of anything with biohacking to this point other than trying to get decent sleep but i don't even have the thing on my phone i've thought about it a couple times but the the light blocker so i guess i'll i'll do that today <laughs> yeah it's i think it's interesting the idea of like people will say well i'm not i'm not i'm not growing well give yourself a reason to gr to grow <laughs> like if if you're spiritually not growing well mm. it's, it's, you know if you're physically and mentally not growing there's there's a reason it's because you put yourself in a, in a in a box and you're comfortable in the box. So there's no reason to grow because you're already in the place that you feel like you need to be. But if right. you, you know, give yourself a, a place to aim for, then, and it's not where you're at, then you have to change to get there. You have to grow to get there. Um, totally. Think, and it's nice to not wait for a situation where you're forced into it in a painful yeah, way. No doubt. <laughs> And then when those do show up, if you're used to it, you can handle it that much better. That's that's true. Right? <laughs> um, I guess the only thing I would finish up with is to say that um, I wrote an article about biohacking to start off the, the new year. And I will link to that in my article for 
this week. Another thing is I'll, I'll get together with Tina and um, get some, some links to products that I, uh, I've, I've found to be ideal and well-researched and well, well-rated and reviewed. Um, you know, some things are like uh, this guy here, colostrum. Be like, you take colostrum? Like, <laughs> and uh, What's colostrum? Colostrum is like the, the first mother's milk. <laughs> I knew that, but I want to make sure. Right? Right? Where right? do you get that from, Matt? Like, what's so, the interwebs? So, so one, it's bovine. Um, okay. So it's not like I hit up the ladies on the street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was taking it for growth hormone because I was like, for, for the knee stuff, I was like, I need to find every way that I can to maximize growth hormone. So I, I designed my diet for more growth hormone. I designed my workouts for more growth hormone. Um, intermittent fasting was for more growth hormone. And uh, voila, gave my joints the growth hormone they needed and they f- fixed themselves after, after over a decade. So, but yeah, so I'll have the article there that, that talks about supplements that are super cool and practices that are free to do because mm. biohacking doesn't have to be expensive. It can be a free app or a free exercise that you do mm. or it can be, you know, taking things, you know, diving into those minors and finding the things that uh, will make a little bit of difference for an area that you really care about and, and uh, get those links to Tina so we can get those products on the page. What page? Well, it'd be a page at theepic.org and it'd be the one where you can find uh, all the, the extras that, that Tina puts into the, I guess, the, the podcast, podcast episode. Yeah. 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 She's so fabulous. She is. She's the best. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Um, we have a bunch of stuff over on our Patreon page. Mm. There's all sorts of behind the scenes and outtakes and Matt and Austin's shenanigans and juvenile mm. jokes. And if you, if you like that. Or kind of dad thing, jokes. Or dad there's, jokes. There's dad jokes. There's too. a lot more juvenile ones than dad ones, but. But that's Matt. You, <laughs> 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 Who's the one that has that catchphrase the most? What, what's our, what's your catchphrase? That's what she said. Oh no, there's another one. <laughs> Less G. And when you said keep it G, I was like, I don't think our episodes have ever been G. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just say that the outtakes are not either. Okay. But there there's some funny ones. So if you want to check it out, it's over there. Patreon.com forward slash do you think maybe? Well anyway, we'll put it in the in the episode. <laughs> Fabulous. All right. So treat yourself to those <laughs> outtakes and uh, some new biohacking techniques and, and supplements. And uh, this has been a primer. This isn't the, the whole conversation, just something to get you, get you going on. Um, so thanks for joining us this week. And uh, we'll, we'll just catch you again next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.